everyone. And, uh, you know, tonight, prayer was just one of those reminders of just how beautiful it is to be with the body of believers and to be able to go before our King in prayer. Just a true blessing and exciting to see some of our folks that were sick back. Woohoo! So, um, good things all around. And again, it's great to see everyone. And please continue, keep uh, Pastor David and Michelle in prayer. They're going to be journeying back on Friday. Looking forward to that. Um, so let's open up with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, Lord. And Father, thank you for the time of singing unto you in prayer tonight, Lord. And thank you for the gift to get into your word right now, Father God. Lord, help us to focus on you. Help us to focus on your word alone, Lord God. Help us to keep the distractions aside, Lord, and help us to see what you would have us glean from your word, Lord. Thank you that it is a living word. Thank you that each time we come to it, there is more to get, that we can live for you, that we can honor you. We just thank you so much for that, Lord. Thank you for this time, Lord. And Lord, we do continue to pray for Pastor David and Michelle for their return and traveling mercies, Lord, and just ministering and... Um, ways that you know need to be done, Lord, and help with Michelle, Lord, and figuring everything out that's going on, Father God, and just thank you, Lord, for them. Thank you for this church. Thank you for these people, Lord. Thank you for how you have woven us all together, Lord, and thank you for this time now. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, we studied Psalm 8, and with that, we got the gift of being reminded of the blessing we have if we take that time to ponder the God of creation, if we take time to ponder his creation, if we take time to think about our insignificance in light of his creation, and if we remember that he cares about you and me. Think of what we saw in that psalm where we read, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him. The fact that God cares about you, the fact that God cares about me, the fact that God sees our needs, our hurts, our ups, our downs, God knows all and is never surprised by anything that happens, by anything that comes at us, and he cares. And on this past Sunday, we got to look at the wedding, water, wine, and we saw and were reminded that God cares and tends on his timeline and in the ways that he knows is best. Another blessing, another gift that we have. And tonight we're going to go on into Psalm 9. And the message is entitled, To Praise. Now before we delve into that, you know I like to do our little check-ins. So we're going to do our check-in, all y'all. Did you sing unto God this last week? Did you get your worship on in your homes? You know, um, surprise, Paul Dorinsky's going to sing us a song tonight that he sang this last week. No, I'm just kidding. But just kidding. But truly, did you worship? Did you take time to come together as a couple or as a family and to just sing unto the Lord? Saints, we need to remember we are made to worship our King. We need to remember our lives, the way we live, is a worship song unto him. All to say, sing to Jesus. Sing about Jesus. Tonight we're going to be reminded of the heart position for praise. And that we can add as we do that. And if you didn't sing last week, sing this week. And guess what? Keep singing to Jesus. I want to remind us, worship is a weapon. When the enemy wants to whisper lies, when things want to come, get that worship going. Think about what we saw in the Psalms that we've gone through so far. David doesn't get lost in the emotion, doesn't get lost in the feeling, but the character of God, faith in God, and he sings unto God. Bible-based worship songs and lyrics about him, notice I put a caveat there, Bible-based worship songs, lyrics about God, just putting it out there because of what we hear on K-Love. It's important, though, that we sing to him. And that we sing about him. And the songs that we're singing, make sure they match scripture. If they don't match scripture, you can just put the volume down while you're driving, sing your own song, then put it back up. But really, really be mindful of that. Two, how did you do with getting into nature? 
Did you take some time, screens away, as I said last week, no masks outside or anywhere. Did you enjoy and ponder what he has made? Did you enjoy and ponder who he is? Did you get in nature and relish the fact you can have relationship, if you're a believer, you have relationship with the God who created all that you're seeing? Young adults are going to the beach on Saturday. Ponder him when you're there. Ponder. This is the God of creation made this. And I have relationship with that God of creation. Again, that one isn't one charge that I hope you just do last week. Do it always. Get into his creation. It's a beautiful reminder. And worship him there. Pray to him there. Lastly, last week we saw in this psalm, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. And you were to ponder and think, have you placed any limits on how God can use you for his glory? Do you have any doubts? I'm too weak. I'm too this. I'm too that. Or have you imposed any limits? Because you have an idea in your mind of man's order of how something should be done. And you're saying, there's no way that person can do that because they don't have XYZ credentials. No. Have you placed limits in any way? Take it to the Father. Pray. Move forward. Now, in light of all the things from last week, personally, it just gets that moment where it's like, I just want to sing to the Lord. How great is our God. Sing. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all the world will see. How great is our God. We got to do that more. I'm not saying every sermon we're going to break out into song. Let's be clear. But challenge. Take those moments to just sing unto the Lord. Take those moments to just praise him. Disco lights going on again, because it's a dance club again. No. But take the time to sing unto him, to praise him. And the title of tonight's message, To Praise. Now, this psalm that we're going to see, David is the author. The title tells us that. In this title, we also see to the chief musician. We've seen that before. We've talked about that before. Something different we see. To the tune of Death of the Sun. So this, in Hebrew, is translated math laban. And when we look at this, there isn't a set, clear agreement on, from different folks and theologians and scholars will go. There's different ideas of what it may point to. There's idea of it being a popular tune of the time. There's the idea of it being a specific instrument. Some think if it's a tune, maybe it has to do with Nabal. Maybe it has to do with Absalom. Some, with death of a son, point to the ancient Chaldean from the death of a champion who came between the camps. Who is that? Goliath. And when we think of that one, it would be interesting because, again, it's David recalling the victory that he had at that moment. And in that one, when we go with that idea, I say, remember, we need to recall the victories that Christ has led us through in our past. You see, far too often we get bogged down in a circumstance. We get bogged down in a trial and we forget to rejoice in what he's done. We forget to remember through his word what he will do. This is a book of promises. And for the believer, we've got promises still to come. That blessed assurance we sang of tonight. Now, there's some interesting findings between Psalm 9 and 10. There are some from the Roman church side that will say they're actually one psalm. They shouldn't be divided. We should renumber the whole book of psalms. And on the Protestant side, they say that they're two different psalms. Now, when we look at this, uh, they also will point to that. Well, they should be together because if you look at Psalm 9 and 10, they are similar in theme. And when you go through they are partially an alphabetic acrostic in the Hebrew text so that every other alternate verse will begin with the same letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So that's where some will then tie it. Now here's the thing. Does the answer to that question change what the text means to us and what, how we apply it? No. But what's so fascinating and looking at this and you know, sometimes as, you're, as I'm prepping, I can start looking and going through. I was like, wow. These people are spending so much time writing and debating about whether or not this should be this or this should be that. And often there was no mention 
of how to apply this for the believer. There was no mention of what God's intention of giving this was. What does that mean for us? Don't get lost in the dig in idea, because I'm going to keep telling us dig in. Dig into the word. Don't dig into man's boxes. Dig into the word. If we think about Calvary Chapel distinctives, it's great because there's all these different labels. And if you go through, we're not stuck putting in those labels. When there's election, we'll talk about election. When there's not election, we won't talk about election. We just go with the word of God. And it's an important reminder for us, go with the word of God. Because you can get lost and suddenly you're following man and you're no longer following God. Suddenly you're saying, well, so-and-so said this and da-da-da-da-da. Quite frankly, I don't care what so-and-so said. What did God say in his word? And we need to be anchored in that. So with all that said, let's dig into Psalm 9. We'll read the first two verses. I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Saints, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to try to see if we can go through this psalm. We may only get these two verses tonight, and it'll be okay. I promise we'll do it next time. I'm glad right now there's no youth group members because this is when they really would always pick on me. But there's a lot there. I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all your marvelous works. I will, those first two words, in just two verses, we see it four times. Four times. I will, I will, I will praise, I will tell, I will be glad, I will sing. And in that, David is affirming to God the things that he, the one, David, seeking to praise, seeking to follow, seeking to worship and serve God, will do. In the midst, with the context of this psalm, of still having enemies pursuing him. We'll see in this psalm, he's still seeking that deliver me from my enemies. But before he goes there, he says, I will praise you. Now, these personal statements, these I will, he will, these things, we see this a little bit more in the text as we go through this psalm. We'll see I will in terms of David. We shall then see they shall in terms of the enemies that David references. And then we're going to see that he constantly goes to God about his enemies consistently. Remember, in looking at David, we get to see one person's life of in relationship with the Lord in prayer and worship. We shall see you have reminding of the things God has done and praying in faith of who God is. We shall see the Lord shall or he shall knowing of the promises yet to come from God judge, God just judge. David's specific in this prayer and praise, and he's clear with that specificity of his role, he's clear of God's role, and he's clear of where the enemies of God stand in light of that relationship. The psalm, as we go through it, it opens with this joyful thanksgiving and praise, then it shifts to the faith in the future of God's sovereign hand, and then David's prayer requests to God. And then we see that same cycle happen again in the second half of the psalm. Joyful thanksgiving and praise, faith in the future, and a prayer request. But the start of it all, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. Can you say this verse and really mean it every moment of your life? First, can you say, I will praise you, O Lord. Praise unto one and one alone, you. Who's the you? God of creation. Alpha and omega. Beginning and end. We have to ask ourselves, where does your praise go? Do you praise the people you follow on social media? Do you praise the pop icons of pop culture or the icons of Christian faith, which I hate that that's a thing, but it is. Where does your praise go to? It's an odd question, but it's one I don't think we assess and ponder enough. Where does your praise go? Is your praise to him? Is your praise to the personal relationship, L-O-R-D, Lord? 
We have a me-centric culture that has a shift praise unto self. We shift the praise unto self. When we succeed, when things go well, when people tell, oh, how great, oh, how wonderful, oh, how this, we just say, thank you, thank you. Where does the praise go? God made us for his glory. God made us for his praise. So can you say, I will praise you, O Lord. I, you, looking up to him alone. And the second half of that verse, with my whole heart. With my whole heart. Spurgeon said of this, half heart is no heart. Love that. Half heart is no heart. Saints, Christ wants our whole heart. And notice he doesn't say, I will praise you, O Lord, with my lips. Because you can praise with the lips, but the heart ain't his. And you're just faking it. You're just going through the motions. You're just doing the checkbox. Check, I did church. Check, I did singing to the Lord. Is it with your whole heart? I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. Can you say that from a heart without conviction from the Holy Spirit for the realization that you praise him, but not with your whole heart? You see, when we have salvation, this moment, we know we give our lives unto Christ. We know we surrender. We say, Jesus, take the wheel. But then the fire really begins, the journey of sanctification, the journey of being his disciples. And right now we're in a culture, sadly, far too many churches, and it's been like this, where the focus is how many people came to the altar. Oh, great, so many, so many souls saved, so many souls saved. I'm not knocking when we hear so many souls saved, but are we telling them the next step of discipleship? Are we making sure they realize and are being guided, and are we stewarding the young baby believer in the word of God? Think about our lives as babies. We need to be taught. We need to grow. We need to learn how to live. The new believer needs to be taught by the body of Christ what it means to live for him, to be his. I'll never forget my early days at Calvary Chapel Hudson Valley. New believer, bam, get this guy says, come over, we're going to shoot guns. Says, okay, cool. AK-47, didn't know what it was. First gun I ever shot. Then what do we do? Romans. Then I get invited to men's Bible study on Tuesday night. Then Wednesday night, there's service. Go to the service. Then Friday night, college and career group. Saturday night, evangelism and prayer. Sunday, service. And then hanging out with believers. And anytime we hung out, these were always there and people were talking about the word of God. And I was a new believer. And for me, it was like, oh, okay, I guess that's what Christians do. You just carry these all the time and you talk about it and you sing about it and you, that's it. It was awesome. We have to live with him with our whole heart. Because again, that praise, our lives is that worship song. And he says, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. So then we have to ask ourselves, what does the word of God say about the heart? There's many verses we could look at. One, Jeremiah 29, 12 to 13. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. So the first thing we see with that, the focus is going to who? God. The focus is God. And you will seek me. Who? God. Are you seeking God? You will find me when you search for me with all your heart. God's not real. I can't find God. God's not real. Are you really seeking him with all your heart? Or are you just going through emotion while you're planning what you're going to do after you get through whatever you're going through with motion? Deuteronomy 6.5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. All. He doesn't just want us to phone it in. He doesn't just want us to say, I'm giving you most of me. It's all of you. That praise is with a whole heart. Proverbs 4, 20. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. 
Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Think of that heart beating. It's that. It's the word of God giving you your pulse. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. It's the word of God that's life and flesh. That's not saying it's miraculous declaring healing. That's not what this is saying. This is saying that sin-sick soul health. The sin-sick soul disease healed because that's the main healing we need. If we got that, everything else is temporary. But we have eternity with our king. Keep your heart with all diligence, that heart that is pulsing from the word, for out of it springs the issues of life. The heart has to be so rooted on him. Proverbs 3, a verse we know so well. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, all of it. And right after that, lean not on your own understanding. In other words, when that whole heart is there, it's not your heart of flesh. It's the heart that he has put in you as your, his new creation. And you seek not your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge who? Him, God. And he directs your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Then fear the Lord and depart from evil. We did this as one of the cliche youth group verses. And the challenge I gave them, I said, show me something that has that verse that has the part, fear the Lord and depart from evil. That's never, you don't see it on the t-shirts, the, the mugs, the banners, because that means you've got to give up self. You can get through the first part of that verse and do fine. You know, yes, I love the Lord with all my heart. I'm not going to lean on my understanding that. But the fear of the Lord and depart from evil means that you're in submission to his lordship. And that's where that whole heart is. And what is it? Health to your uh, flesh and strength to your bones. Again, that sin-sick disease that we all need healing from. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10. Of the heart, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Notice in our psalm, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. David knows it's got to be the whole heart because if there's an ounce of me, it's going to deceive me and it's wicked. Verse 10 of that in Jeremiah, I, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. He searches the heart. He tests the mind. We have the whole word of God. Saints, Hebrews 4.12 keeps coming up. We need the word of God to be what then checks our hearts. That has to be our sole root. In Mark, for any youth that might listen to this later, that's why I chose it out of Mark. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. Again, Jesus, when he's quoting of the commandments. And then goes on to loving your neighbor in that, but we can't do it if the heart isn't his. We see, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. The heart is a piece of us that when it comes up in Scripture, we can't just gloss over it. Calvary Chapel, Chapel Hill, Jesus wants your whole heart. Now, the heart that is deceitful, the heart that can trick us, all of it needs to be his. Every ounce of it needs to be his that we can be who he ordains us to be, that we can live as he calls us to live without deception. He wants our whole heart. And that means he's not just savior, he's Lord. Remember how we studied, oh Lord, that oh, the emotion that would be in that oh. And tonight I pray that oh is surrender, that oh Lord is yielding, that oh Lord is emptying ourselves. To praise is the title of the message. And from this first half of the first verse, to praise God, to praise our king, we have to get something right. It's got to be the whole heart. And when our whole heart is truly his, we can stand by the words of Paul in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. 
I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's complete death to self. It's all in, it's all his. So literal pulse check is your whole heart his. Is he truly Lord of your life? Have you truly yielded every crevice, every nook and cranny to him? In our culture that's all about me, in our culture that's against God, our culture that presents God with a false gospel, if we let any of that creep in, guess what? It's a heart divided. Guess what? It's a heart not wholly his. So again, is your whole heart his? Can you say those words as truth? Or is there part of you that needs surrender? Is there part of you that needs his cleansing? We always do. And that's why daily we have to crucify ourselves. And daily we deny our flesh for him. Romans 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Youth, we looked at that on Friday, came up on Sunday's message, comes up again today. Verse two, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you have any piece of conviction when you think about that whole heart idea, live verses one and two of Romans chapter 12. Strive to be that living sacrifice and be transformed. And after salvation, there's only one way we can be transformed. It's being in his word. It's letting it do the work that it does as the double-edged sword. You can't do the journey of sanctification not in the word. Being in it here is not enough. You've got to be in it every day. Reading a verse isn't enough. Dig in. Meditating on the verse, do it. But just, oh, I read it, check. No. Your whole heart. Be that living sacrifice. Check your life against his word. Don't conform to the world. Be a person who prays Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. Know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Make it your prayer. Make it your prayer. Then we see the second part of this first verse. Then he says, I will tell of all your marvelous works. So David has his heart posture surrendered in this moment. Because it's his whole heart that's going to praise. His entire heart's going to praise. And how will he praise? First, he will praise by telling of the marvelous works of God. He will tell, he'll proclaim, he'll share, he'll witness of the marvelous works of God. Think of ourselves, think of our culture. American theologian James Montgomery Boise said, we do not praise God with our lips very much, if at all. And when we do, if we do, we praise him half-heartedly. It is more often true that Christians complain of how God has been treating them, carry on excessively about their personal needs or desires or gossip. And that's sadly the culture we have because it's me, me, me. So we're going to get together. It's a time of believers, but we're just going to talk about all of our needs, all of our desires and gossip instead of praising him, instead of telling of his marvelous works remembering all the things God's done in your life and telling them. Remembering what God has done in his word and telling them. Remembering through fellowship with one another the things God has done in the lives of the people of this church and telling of them. When Christians get together, if you're not talking about God, something's amiss. He should be at the center of the conversation. You should be sharing. We should be saying to one another, Hey, what's the latest marvelous thing, a marvelous work of God 
that you've seen or heard of. And marvelous isn't meaning it's got to be this grand thing. The strength to get through a trial, that's a marvelous work. Because the world says to get through trials with many other things that aren't the Lord. But for us, we get through trials with the power of the Holy Spirit. What better marvelous work is that to tell? Yeah, I'm having a really, really horrible day, and I'm sustained because the Lord is equipping me. The Holy Spirit's filling me with this power, and this horrible day doesn't even feel horrible because he's empowering me to run the race for him. I got to tell you about it. We need to be a people who do that. We tell of the past marvelous works we've seen. We tell of the present, and we, with the whole word of God, tell of the future. Tell of the marvelous work that will happen when he raptures his bride. Tell of the marvelous work of eternity with him. Verse 2, I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. I will be glad and rejoice in you. Again, David stating a choice. I will be glad. And what will his gladness be with? Rejoicing in God. David rests and celebrates the goodness, the kindness, the greatness, the mercy, the grace of God. And what does he do with all that? He rests in it. He stays in it. Are you able to do that? Do you realize when we rest in the goodness of God, that's offering praise unto him. That's offering praise unto the God of creation. Two verses, he hits two ways of praising the Lord. We have to realize praise isn't just singing a worship song. Praise unto the Lord comes in different forms. To praise is to tell of what God has done, to tell of his marvelous works. That is praise. To rest in his goodness is praise. And realize something else with that. When you are resting in how great God is, when you're resting in how good God is, how do you think that'll impact you? How do you think that will be? That's the peace. That's the yoke that he says to take. That's the light burden. And in Christianity today, we have so much self-help model where we've got to pick ourselves up by the bootstrap. We've got to control our fate. We've got to pray things into existence. We've got to do all these things. And to put it bluntly, we play God. And we take the sovereignty of God and spit in its face. God is sovereign. Instead of taking his sovereignty away and taking the reins yourself, take the lesson from David in the midst of this prayer and praise. Look at his character. Look in the evidence of his goodness. Look at faith in him and rest in that. And who do you then see the heart fixed and focused on? Surprise, surprise, God. It's about not looking at the circumstance. Look up to him. It's about not looking to the lies being planted or the things that come and attack you and make you feel like, ah, oh, what's the point? No, look to the God of creation. Look to his character. Look to all he's done. And then do something with that. Tell about it. Rest in it. Do it. And the end of verse 2, I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Because from that, if you think about it, telling of all he's done, resting in his goodness, that's going to make you want to sing. For the person who says, I really can't sing, I challenge you. Talk about the marvelous works of God, past, present, and future. And then my second part of the challenge is to then rest in his goodness and greatness. And I dare you to not start singing a worship song that plays on. You will. You just can't not. Because you then want to sing praise to your name, O Most High. His name, O Most High. And it's not singing to our feelings. It's not singing to ourselves. It's singing to his name. It's a blessing how Pastor David prayerfully, week after week, our set list, it's about him. It's about the Lord. There's times where when we get the email of Setless, I laugh because it's like, Jesus, what a great name. What a wonderful name. What a blessed name. It's like, amen. It's about his name. It's not about us. It's about him. I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell you of all your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. 
an entire heart that is his, an entire heart that is focused on him. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. This is a portion where Jesus gives us ways to think of this portrait of praise and ways to particularly think about that whole heart idea. Because we're all going to have heart surgery after this message. That whole heart idea. Verse 19 in chapter 6. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So with that right away, what matters reveals the state of our heart. Because if our whole heart is his, the things we're focused on are eternal. But when we're focused on things that more are of the world, there's a piece of the heart that's not all his. Verse 22 in this chapter. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is, in, is darkness, how great is that darkness? Where our eye goes, what our eye seeks to see, reveals something of our heart. This is walking through, saints, how to use the word of God to check your heart. Are there parts where that it's not looking for the light, it's looking unto darkness? Verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Is it material goods? Is it status by the world? Or is it Jesus is enough? We, someone shared of Job tonight in prayer and how everything gets taken away. What if that's you? Do you then spike God and say, God isn't real? Or do you sing praise with your whole heart? For he is. Do you tell of his marvelous works? Do you rest in his goodness? Do you sing to the name of the O Most High? Verse 25, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of much more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But... Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. If our whole heart is his, there's not that worry. There's not that, how are we going to pay that bill? How are we going to do this? How is she going to get through the school year with those people? How is X, Y, Z, whatever you want to put there, it's not going to be there because the heart of worry isn't the whole heart that's his. But when the whole heart is his, you can rest in his assurance. You can seek first the kingdom of God because you surrender and God is first. That needs to be the reality for every single one of us. God first. And then we praise through telling of the marvelous works. Why do we tell of the marvelous works? He gets the glory. We were made by him and for him. That's why. He gets the glory, so we do it. Why do we tell of the works? Because that opens the door for other people to learn about him. Paul tells us that we have that work of being ambassadors of the ministry of reconciliation. Guess what's a great way to do that work? Praise the way this two verses of Psalms says. Whole heart his, tell of his marvelous works, rest in his goodness, and sing of his name. Sing of his name. 
and really rest in the goodness. Luke 10, 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Are you so busy that when I say rest in the goodness of his presence, I don't have time for that. So much has to get done. I don't have time. I can't sit and rest in his goodness. I have to do this email. I have to do this thing. Somebody's calling. I got to do this. I got to get the kids here. I got to do this. No, I don't have time. Really? Rest in his goodness. And then from that, sing of his name, O Most High. Most High, El Elyon. That name that we see that Abraham was honored after God gave him victory over the kings in Genesis 14. El Elyon, a title we see 28 times in scriptures. First again in Genesis 14. We see that there. And it comes Right there, uh, turn there, Genesis 14, verse 18. I know we're, we're going a little. <clears throat> then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. A priest of God most high. Making it clear that most high God is creator, is present over all. God is supreme, El Elyon. And as that comes up, it shows he doesn't just fight the battle. He gives protection. He gives guidance. He gives refuge. He is the just judge. He vindicates. And then for those of us, we have the whole counsel of the word of God. When we see Melchizedek, when we see Most High, Light bulb should go on. Hebrews chapter 7. When we turn there, verse 20, what do we see? And inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath, for they have become priests without an oath, but he with an oath by him who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not relent, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. Also, there are many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save the utter, to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens." who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weakness, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the son who has been perfected forever. That's the one who wants our whole heart. That's the one who gets the praise. That's a marvelous work to tell of. That there's no more sacrifice. That's a marvelous work. That's something worth resting in that goodness. That's something worth praising his name for. Now we're going to continue next week, of course. We'll go through the rest of this. We'll see David's tender plea for deliverance, resting in the promise of God's name. But from these first two verses, there's things I pray we shift for the week ahead. First, when we look at these first two verses, everyone schedule a time for open heart surgery this week. Every single one of you schedule that time where you are going to dedicate a block of time and do this. I, I really pray you do to ask the Lord to search your heart, to go before him 
pray with him and ask, are there parts of my heart that aren't wholly surrendered to you? Are there parts of my heart that aren't wholly yours? What does it look like? Read the verses. Read it. Lord, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. Lord, I want to say that with full conviction. Lord, search my heart. Where is there pieces of me that cannot do that? Search it. Think of Proverbs 23, 26. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. Our heart is searched through his word. Second, this week, be a composer. Compose worship songs unto the Lord. How are you doing them? You're composing them by telling of his marvelous works. And you're composing by resting and being glad in his goodness. Tell of his work of the cross. Tell of God's faithfulness of Bill coming to the Lord this past Sunday. Tell of God's faithfulness in this little church of Chapel Hill that has its hands with different ministry partners around the world. Tell of God's faithfulness with the transition from Pastor David and Michelle to myself and my bride. Tell of God's faithfulness in various testimonies that we share with one another. And if you're thinking, well, I don't know of any testimonies from somebody or I'm not really sure what's going on. Hey, try this on for size. Go to the person. Hey, how has God reminded you of his marvelous works lately? How has he reminded you? Can you tell me? Ask each other that. Try that for size. Be glad and rest in who he is. And third, sing praise to him, O Most High. Sing to Jesus. Prayerfully discern the songs you're singing, but sing to Jesus. It's about the Lord Most High. That's the focus. It's not just about me. It's never about me. It's always about him. And as you sing, ponder the name of Jesus and let that light be a fire for you to be an ambassador for the ministry of reconciliation that you're called to be. Pray for the lost with that. Share with the lost. Share of the marvelous works that we see, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. For next week, don't be able to just read that. Be able to say with a whole heart that that's you, no matter what. No matter what the circumstance, no matter what is going on, no matter what comes, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. No matter what, I will tell of all your marvelous works. No matter what, I will be glad and rejoice in you. No matter what, I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Amen? Let's pray. Yes. Can I teach them a song? Yeah. That goes with this? It's been killing me. Do we want to learn a song? It's a simple chorus. Uh, The words are this. You are my God. You are my king. You are my master, my everything. You are my Lord, and so I sing unto you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Very, very simple. If you can pardon my voice, maybe right, let's, let's, let's pick it up. I'll try to pick it up.
you are truly all. Amen. Father God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for those words, Lord, and just singing them is such an anthem of surrender, Lord, to remember who you are, that you are our everything, Lord, that you are the reason we sing, that you are the reason we live, that you are the reason we praise, that you are the reason we do all for your glory. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the time in your word tonight, Lord, and I pray that we can all take these two verses and ponder them, Lord, that we can be a people who do them, Lord, with our whole hearts. And Lord, when our hearts aren't fully surrendered, that we can come to that place in prayer to quickly repent, Lord, that you have our whole hearts, that we deny ourselves, Lord, that we can then carry on the mantle that you are our God, you are our King, you are everything, you are the reason we sing and that we run the race to singing hallelujah, worthy is the Lamb for eternity. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and faithfulness. In Jesus' precious name, amen. amen. God bless you all.